Well, good morning, Timber Creek. How's everybody this morning? Woo! Who is this guy? Hey, I'm Dan uh, Chanowski. I'm one of the staff pastors here. I get the privilege of being our campus pastor for our Nacogdoches location. And I just want to take a minute to shout out to all my friends over at Nacogdoches. Love you guys. Miss you today. And uh, hey, it's going to be a great morning. Super excited. Have you enjoyed the last few weeks, Truth and Grace over Trending? Come on, give it up for Pastor Jeremy. What an incredible communicator. So much truth last week. Man, just diving in. Uh, I don't know about you, but walking away from last week, I just felt a deeper love for the Word of God, a deeper relationship with the Word of God. And can I just encourage you today, like the Word of God, the Bible that you bring to church with you that's sitting on your nightstand that's with you, is more than just printed words on paper. I've got a library full of books. they're like dead trees, right? Um, and even the authors of the books are, are dead and gone and buried. Uh, but when we pick up the word of God, everybody, it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing between bone and marrow, discerning the hearts of man. When you pick up the word of God, you better look out. God's got something to say to you because it's living, amen? So I hope you walk away from this series with, a, with an understanding, a deeper relationship with the word of God, because he wants to transform you from the inside out, and, and he'll do that, and he'll do that through his word. Uh, well, we've got two types of people in the room today. Um, we've got those of you, when you return from vacation, you walk in the door, and you drop your suitcase, and you unload it immediately, I mean like the bathroom stuff's in the bathroom, the dirty clothes are in the hamper, okay? Uh, Like you put the suitcase away in the garage. Am I the only one that that's like me? When I get home from vacation, I don't even like sit down or relax or nothing. I gotta get that suitcase put away so we can get moving on. I see a couple of hands uh, popping up. Anybody online, you know what I'm talking about this morning? And, And then there's the psychos in the room Uh, The rest of you that sit in the, like you bring your suitcase in, you sit it down, and it's there for the next month. I don't know what's wrong with you. Like maybe you're thinking, I'll just leave it here so that it's ready for my next vacation. (laughs) That must be like most of the room today. Uh, Like that's that's my wife. That's my wife, uh, and she's not here with me this morning. I love you. She's in Nacogdoches. You're beautiful today, hon. Uh, <laughs> she is, and, uh, but she'll leave her suitcase, and I, and I walk by, and she's like, she can feel the disgust in my eye. Like, um, hey, listen, today we're going to talk about a very difficult subject, and I want you to know that it's okay to be one of two people in the room. Um, we're going to talk about suffering today. And, and some of you, you're like, unzip the suitcase, let's go. I'm ready to talk about this, I'm ready to unpack this. And some of you are like, that suitcase has been sitting in the corner of my bedroom for a long time now. And I don't know that I'm ready to unpack that quite yet. Can I tell you it's okay? It's all right. Um, I believe Jesus wants to meet us in the middle of our suffering today. Uh, I trust that he'll have something incredible to say to us this morning um, it's a difficult subject, a diff- difficult topic, but you know what? It touches every single one of us. Coming off of the last few years that we've had together, uh, the, the, like the cultural climate that we're in today, 
you don't have to travel across the ocean to experience suffering. Suffering is happening in the seat right next to you. Some of us are quietly suffering. Some of us don't suffer so quietly, um, but we're all suffering, and I believe Jesus wants to speak to us today, okay? Are you guys with me? Everybody with me? Everybody online, you with me today? So let's dive in uh, this morning again. I'm so thankful to be with you guys today. Can we pray over it? Jesus, we love you today. Thank you. God, we ask that you would be with us this morning. Thank you that we don't just sit in a time of lecture uh, listening to truths that don't affect us. God, we're engaging in a conversation with you today, talking about some pretty heavy stuff. And God, I thank you that you meet us right where we are. Help us today to glorify you in all that we say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. So right here in the middle of grace and truth over trending today, uh, I want to do just a quick review of where we were the first week and some thoughts just to remind us again. Uh, Out of Ecclesiastes 3.11, God does everything just right and on time. But people never completely understand what he's doing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) We were talking about it earlier. Uh, Pastor Stephen was mentioning Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in all with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You know why that's so important? Because I don't understand sometimes. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Have you ever said, God, I don't, I don't understand it? I don't, I don't get it. Um, don't lean on your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him. I can acknowledge him even in my misunderstanding, right? So people don't, they don't completely understand what he's doing. And, and, and this causes some doubts sometimes. And maybe you're sitting here this morning because you've got some doubts, and our culture has some doubts. Uh, we're in this mode of thinking that I've got to understand it all, and if I don't understand it all, then it must not be true. And so when things don't make sense to me, it causes me to doubt a little bit. And so our culture is full of doubt. Uh, you wear that Timber Creek shirt, by the way, to work, and, and somebody sees that, and their immediate thought is, oh, I've been there, I've done that, I've gone to church. I doubt that they have anything new to say to me. Uh, we have doubts. Culture has doubts. Uh, but so do strong Christians. So do those that have been serving Jesus for many, many, many years. Find somebody who's been serving Jesus for a long, long time and ask them, do you have doubts? Have you ever doubted God's goodness? Have you ever doubted his faithfulness? And if we're true and honest about it, we would say, yeah, there have been times that I have had some doubts. When we doubt God, it's totally normal. And somehow we have, I so appreciate Pastor Jeremy saying this the first week, right out of the gates. It's okay to have doubts. Somehow in the church world, we have communicated that if you have doubts, then keep it to yourself. Like, don't talk about it. Uh, But man, we fool ourselves, and we miss opportunities to have some great conversations uh, with people who have had doubts, and God has, has, has met them in their doubts, but it's normal. It's normal to have doubts in our lives. But most people, they don't uh, doubt the existence of God. Most people don't sit and think, 
Um, Those that are true atheists really are few and far between. Most people will believe that there's at least some God out there. I can't can't, uh, totally uh, dismiss the reality or the thought that there's a God. They just doubt what kind of God he really is. I don't doubt that there's some creator up there or some higher power. Um, I, just, I just doubt that he's as good as I want him to be or think he ought to be. I doubt what kind of God he is. How do we have those doubts? Well, when answers to our prayers are delayed. When I've prayed about some things, I'm gonna talk about later on uh, some prayers that I've prayed. Um, that I didn't see the answers to. I still haven't seen the answers to. And, and when there's a delay in the answer to my prayer, uh, I often doubt if God really cares. Don't you even care? Like, I've prayed about this for years or I've prayed about this for months and don't you even care? When facing a seemingly impossible situation, a mountain that just seems too big to move. We doubt God's power. Is he, is he really capable of, of fixing this situation or transforming this situation? I sometimes doubt his power. When a tragedy strikes in my life, we doubt God's love and his wisdom. How could you let this happen, God? I've been faithful to you. How could you let this happen to grandma? She's loved you her entire life. There's nobody better than granny. Like, how could you let that happen? When we experience pain and suffering, we doubt God's goodness. Is anybody with me this morning? Like, sometimes we have doubts. And I think it's okay if we just kind of lay it out on the table a little bit, crack open the suitcase a little bit, um, and deal with this today. Is that all right? Sometimes we have doubts. Tragedy and trauma, brokenness, death of a loved one, um, a, a diagnosis from the doctor, financial ruin, marital issues, person you married, the dream marriage isn't working out the way you thought um, and you dreamed it would, starting to wonder, is God really good? I believe he's God, but is he good to me? Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why you're tuning in online today. Maybe you decided to visit a campus today because you kind of reached your last straw. You're at the end of your rope and you're experiencing some pain and suffering and and you thought, well, maybe I'll give God one more chance. Maybe that pain and suffering has drawn you to a place where you're finally crying out to God Maybe it's a memory of going to church years ago with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or a memory, a faint memory of grandma and grandpa sitting at the table reading their Bible and praying that you thought you came to a place of of pain and suffering in your life and things aren't as good as they ought to be 
And so finally you're at a place where you're like, okay, God, if you're really God, <laughs> if you're really as good as those Christians say that you are, I'm gonna give you a shot. I'm gonna try this God thing out. It's possible to have doubt without being defeated. So maybe that's you today, but maybe you're a Christ follower. And maybe you've been serving Jesus your entire life and you're in the middle of a, uh, of a pain and a suffering and you feel like at any point I could just like give it totally up. All the things that I've ever truly believed to be about God, I just, I need him to show up right now. And if he doesn't, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's possible to have doubt without being defeated. It's possible. It's possible that God could meet us right in the middle of our doubt. So here's some things that are trending. Uh, the series, obviously trending, uh, grace and truth over what's trending. Some of these thoughts, maybe you're having these thoughts today. These are certainly uh, things that, that our culture's thinking. I don't think a good, loving, all-powerful God of Christianity really exists. I don't believe in that God. He, he might be all-powerful, but he's not good because he allows evil and suffering. How could, how could a good God allow evil and suffering to exist in this world? Anybody ever ponder that thought today? Like this morning, um, just turning on the news? He might be good, but he's not all powerful because he doesn't end evil and suffering. If God was really real, then we would live in this beautiful oasis, <laughs> this bubble of no pain and suffering. So he must, he must not exist. There must not be a God because if that was true, um, but can I tell you the existence of pain and suffering in the world is not proof that God doesn't exist. It's really not. And, and, and to try to leverage that, if you've ever had this conversation with somebody before and they say, well, how can you believe in God when there's pain and suffering uh, in, in Africa and there's starving children in Africa? Or how can you believe in a God when there's pain and suffering in Haiti? Or how can you believe in God when there's pain and suffering and you've got refugees that are crossing deserts that are starving to death, just trying to find a home. How can you have the audacity, the goal to believe that there is a God in heaven when there's pain and suffering in the world? And, and I don't know about you, but it kinda, it, it kinda twists me a little bit when somebody uses pain and suffering, use it, the leverage is pain and suffering across the ocean. Uh, to prove their point, to say that there's not a God. You don't have to go across the ocean. You don't, have to, you, you don't have to go really past your neighborhood to speak with somebody who's experienced pain and suffering. In fact, it's possible to find somebody who loves Jesus, who's gone through some pain and suffering, and has something to say about God in the midst of their pain and suffering. So I would just, I would just suggest today, if that's you, Find somebody who loves Jesus, who's still serving Jesus after pain and suffering, and say, hey, explain to me. Tell me about the God that you serve, because somehow you still serve him through your pain and suffering, and I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. But somehow you have a smile on your face, and there's joy in your life. Um, can I encourage you to do that? 
find somebody who's gone through it. And, and their faith seems to be what? Stronger. They seem to be more resilient in their faith. So the existence of pain and suffering in the world is not proof that God does not exist. The reality of pain and suffering in our world proves that the God who doesn't allow pain and suffering, he doesn't exist. Uh, I know, <laughs> twist your brain just a little bit. Let me say it slowly. The reality of pain and suffering in our world proves that the God who doesn't allow pain and suffering, that God doesn't exist. Are you with me? That God doesn't exist. In fact, if you're a true follower of Jesus, you understand that the God who doesn't allow pain and suffering, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the Christian. In fact, it's much worse. <laughs> like, it, it gets worse from here. The God of the Bible and the God of the Christian like actually invite us into suffering will actually use suffering in my life. Like came down from heaven and became suffering for me. The God of the Bible and the God of the Christian takes and embraces pain and suffering. That's the God that we serve. That's crazy. <laughs> But when we read through scripture, and I wanna show you some scriptures this morning, God allows pain and suffering. Does he cause it? I don't believe so. But he allows it. He'll allow pain and suffering in our life. He'll use that in our world. I love what C.S. Lewis says. The God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. And it is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. Again, that's maybe, that may be why you're here today. That's maybe why you're watching online today. Maybe that's why you're in Nacogdoches. Maybe that's why you're gathering uh, with Dieball and Duncan in the services. Uh, because pain in your life has caused you and brought you to a place where you are ready to say, okay, God, whatever. And God will shout to us in our pain. Do you think God's not shouting to us in our pain right now as the world aches and there's rumors of war and there's rumors of disease and like he's shouting to us in our pain. He's saying, I'm here. I want your attention. God will use whatever it takes. He, his, his grace reaches lower than our worst mistakes. There's nothing that God won't do to try to get to us. And sometimes he uses pain and suffering. Why would he do that? Sometimes he uses pain and suffering. And the Bible is full of scriptures. We don't, we don't have time this morning to go through all of them, but I wanted to give you a couple of them. Uh, Matthew 6, 13, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many of you ever prayed that? That's the, that's the Lord's prayer. That's a great prayer to pray. That's a great prayer to pray. But sometimes I pray, do not lead us into evil, or uh, deliver us from evil one, and then I experience evil. I experience pain and suffering. When God chooses not to deliver you from pain and suffering, he is faithful to carry you through the pain and suffering. So sometimes I pray, deliver me from evil. And then it seems like evil things happen. 
and harsh things happen and pain and suffering and injustice happen in my life. And I say, God, where were you? And, and sometimes God delivers me from it, but many times God will deliver me through the pain and the suffering. And there's many times that God meets us in pain and suffering. And to be honest with you, there are things about God that I, I don't get to understand outside of pain and suffering. The disciples had no idea that Jesus was a water-walking, storm-chasing, calming God until they were in the middle of an ocean uh, ready to drown. They didn't know that about God. And God says, here I am. And their response was, who is this man that even the storms of life obey him? Pain is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Isaiah 43, 2, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you, I've called you, I've called your name, you are mine. When you are in over your head, I'll be with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, anybody ever been between a rock and a hard place? It won't be a dead end. Someone say, thank God. Like he's not delivered me from it, he's actually with me in it. I love what one author says, suffering and failure have always been God's way of transforming us from willful to willing. From swimming upstream against the current of God's love to floating downstream, trusting him to take care of us. How do I know if I'm winning? How do I know if I'm doing this pain and suffering right? If I go through pain and suffering and come out on the other end trusting him more, trusting his goodness, trusting his faithfulness, just sensing his presence a little better, I know that God's working. What else does the Bible say about suffering? And by the way, these aren't scriptures like you're gonna get a tattoo of. Like show me your tattoo. Oh, I've got this great suffering tattoo, you know? Uh, these aren't the scriptures that's like you're gonna, you're gonna put up on your mirror. Uh, my daughter, Madison, uh, he's, uh, he's watching this morning. Oh, I got all emotional all of a sudden. Um, she's in college and uh, doing incredible, so proud of her. When she comes home for the weekend, um, before she leaves, she'll write a little note on our mirror uh, just to let us know that she loves us and encourages us and how thankful she is for us and She'll write a little note on our daughter's mirror in the bathroom, and, and then we'll find it later. Um, really encouraging, like one of those, uh, you know, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm not screwing this up. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Um, these aren't scriptures you wanna put on your mirror. Like, wake up in the morning, and um, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. Let's go have a great day. <laughs> Right? In this world, you will have trouble. You can expect trouble. Trouble is coming your way. And you, you can expect it. Like, don't be surprised when you experience trouble in life. Don't be surprised when things begin to get a little bit more difficult. Those of you that have just started following Jesus and you're taking next steps, so proud of you. 
But don't be like discouraged when you start experiencing some trouble. Because Jesus says in this world you will have what? Look at your neighbor and say trouble's coming. <laughs> trouble's coming. It's an encouraging word today. I'm so glad I came to church. But there's such grace and truth in this scripture, isn't there? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, what? I've overcome the trouble in your life? No, man, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. He's not just the God that overcomes my trouble in life, like he's overcome the entire world, everybody. He owns it all, it's his. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. You may experience some light, uh, momentary trouble in life, but take heart. He's overcome the world. And if God is for you, Romans chapter eight, then who can be against you? Paul says in Philippians, he's crazy by the way. Uh, I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Amen, Paul, amen. I want to suffer, I want to, I want to suffer with him. Sharing in his death. Paul, you want to do what? You, you want to say, Paul, you are crazy. How many of us are going to pray this prayer today? Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you in your blessing. Let the blessings fall, Jesus. <laughs> I want to know you in your goodness. I want to know and experience the joy. And oh, by the way, bring on the suffering, Jesus, because I want to know you in your suffering. Paul says, I want to know you and your suffering. Paul was so tuned in to his relationship with Jesus and had such a desire to know all about Christ that he would say, Jesus, I want to know everything about you. I want to know the ins and outs. I want to experience your, your resurrection power. And most of us would say, amen, that same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me. Amen. And Paul would say, and I want to experience the suffering." And even to the point of dying, Paul wanted to know Jesus and every part of Jesus. And if we're honest with ourselves, like this is the part I don't, I, I don't want to sign up for that, everybody. I don't want to go through suffering. I'm not sure that I want to share in his death, but Paul says if I don't share in his death, then I can't share in his resurrection. So I've got to die to myself daily, and I've got to say whatever comes let it come, Jesus, because even in my suffering, you're gonna show me a part of who you are. Are you still with me this morning? Have you written me off yet? Okay, no, you say, yes, we have. <laughs> Psalms 119.71, my suffering was good for me for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Suffering teaches us. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Romans chapter five, like we throw a party in our suffering. Paul and Silas in the middle of prison doing what? Throw a little praise party because they're in the middle of their suffering. No, Paul, we're not, like, there's no party going on here. It's a pity party, but it ain't no party in our suffering. Romans 5, 3, and 4, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And that goes on to say, and hope doesn't disappoint us. We welcome suffering since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him, 1 Peter 4, and get this, 
Think of your sufferings as weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Easy, Peter. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized. That's a good word, say that, tyrannized by what you want. Here's what I'd love to encourage us to do in the next few moments. I want us to think differently about suffering. I'd love for us to consider suffering from the point of view of Jesus uh, today. It's possible that we could look at suffering uh, as a beautiful thing. You're crazy. Yeah. As something that, like I'm not gonna, it'd be stupid if, if like, um, Paul doesn't say we, we, we rejoice because of our suffering. That's kind of morbid, right? He says we rejoice in our suffering. So I think we could view it differently and think differently about it. I think God uh, will help us do that uh, today. How do we approach suffering like Jesus? John chapter 11 tells the story of the friend of Jesus named Lazarus. You guys familiar with the story? Uh, I've, I've preached this, um, this passage of scripture in many funerals, uh, trying to, to portray that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus, like, he's there, and it's okay that your loved one is gone, but there's coming a day that Jesus is gonna resurrect the dead. And a beautiful message from John chapter 11, but somehow I've missed the attributes of Jesus and how he interacts with the characters of this story. And I wanna share that with you for the next few moments, that Jesus meets us in our suffering uh, this morning through tears, truth, anger, and grace. You got your notes with you, I encourage you to fill in the blanks, maybe take some notes on the side. Tears, truth, anger, and grace. I'm gonna read a couple of scriptures, don't have time to go through the entire chapter this morning. Um, But here is Jesus with his disciples a few miles away uh, from where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and many other people are joined together, and word comes to him, hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, the one whom you love, is very sick. Uh, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Why is it important for John to say that? That this this isn't just some Mary, this isn't just some other person. This is somebody who he has intimate contact with. This is somebody who he has relationship with. There is, there's relationship there. Uh, And he gets word that the people that he loves and the people that he's been engaged in relationship with, like there's something going on, your friend Lazarus is sick. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he jumped onto a horse and, and shot right out there. I mean, like, like he was there in a second. He was, you know, he wanted to get there and he could not wait. He said, disciples, hold dinner for me. I've got to go. That's not what he did. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Your friend Lazarus is deathly ill. Come quickly, the message says. And Jesus stays just a couple more days. That doesn't seem very compassionate. That doesn't seem like a Jesus, Jesus, that doesn't seem like a Jesus thing to do. Why would you do that? So eventually when Jesus showed up a few days later, 
He found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Why is that significant? In, uh, in Jewish culture, there was this tradition that uh, by, by, by the third day in the tomb, like the spirit kind of hung around uh, the dead for about three days, and in their tradition, that after three days, the spirit was then released to go on into eternity. What is John trying to say to that audience? It's day four, everybody, like, Chance, like, uh, there's no chance that he's returning. Like, the, you know, the morning has just begun, but like, we, Jesus, you missed your opportunity. Jesus, like, you, you were supposed to be here and you weren't. You showed up on the fourth day? On the fourth day, I mean, like, day two or three at least. I mean, there's, an oppor- you know, we're thinking there's an opportunity, but day four, you're not there. Jesus, where were you? Calamity and tragedy has met us at our home and you're nowhere to be found. Have you ever felt like Jesus was nowhere to be found in the middle of your pain and suffering? I have. I'll share a quick story in just a few moments about that. That in the middle of tragedy, I I was asking myself, Jesus, where are you? I don't, like I don't sense you at all. I'm I need you more now than I've ever needed you and, and you're nowhere to be found. That's tough. Four attributes of Jesus found in this story. Number one, the tears of Jesus. The tears of Jesus. So Jesus shows up and uh, one of the first people that meet him is Mary. Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How dare you say that to God? (laughs) If you'd have just been here, her faith was in God. She, She thought, there's nothing impossible with you, Jesus. I put my full trust in you, and I believe that there's nothing impossible with you, but you weren't here when I needed you most. If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus doesn't take a place of defense like I gotta defend myself now. In fact, the Bible says that when he saw her weeping and those around her weeping, that he just simply wept. Now, I want you to think about this just for a second. Here's Jesus. We know the scriptures. Like, we we can read on to the next few verses. We have the benefit of of seeing what happens in the story. And, And I think to myself, if Jesus knew that he was just gonna raise him from the dead... Why didn't he stop her in the moment and say, hey, it's cool, dry your tears. This is gonna be awesome. Like, you, like you're not gonna believe uh, what's gonna happen here. Uh, I'm telling you, it's gonna be like super cool. Hang on, dry your tears. Uh, grab your friends, get some popcorn. This is gonna be cool. But he doesn't do that. He knowing uh, knows what he's going to do and yet what? He still meets her in her tears. He still weeps with her. Jesus weeps with the wounded. Jesus weeps with the wounded. He meets us in our woundedness. It's, it would be incredibly um, harsh to turn a blind eye to pain and suffering in the world. 
sometimes you see somebody like that and, and like, uh, you know, how are you doing today? Oh, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, you know? And like they're totally ignorant. Like it would be uh, unkind at the very least to turn our eyes from pain and suffering in life because it's a reality. We can't put our head in the sand and, and, and think that there's not pain and suffering and injustice in the world. Uh, but Jesus meets us there, and, and, he, and he weeps with those who are weeping and I find great compassion, I find great care in that attribute of Jesus that he meets us when we're wounded. Meets us right there. The, four, uh, the second attribute that we see is the truth of Jesus. Not only does he meet us in our tears, but he meets us with truth. He meets Mary in, it's, it's, a, beautiful, it's a beautiful story. I just picture in my mind him meeting Mary and Mary says to him, if you'd only been here, and instead of like, spouting truth to her, he just cries with her. And he sits and just weeps with her. Have you ever had anybody that, in your life that they're just, that's just, that's their ministry? Like they just sit and cry with you? They don't have to say a word. They just sit and weep with you. But then there are times where Jesus speaks truth. Listen, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like same thing, same sentence. And I've never noticed this before, but Jesus' response to her is totally different. It doesn't say that he sat and cried with Martha. She says, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He doesn't sit and cry with her, he speaks truth to her. Same thing to Mary, different response. He gives Martha Truth, and how many of you know sometimes we need to speak truth? Like it's okay to sit and cry with somebody in their pain and suffering, but there are times where you've got to speak truth in the middle of pain and suffering. Listen, we are not the church if we don't speak truth in the middle of pain and suffering. If all we do is weep with the wounded, but we've got no answers and we got no truth that brings life and encouragement and strength to them, then we're not the church. And sometimes people that are going through pain and suffering in life, they need to know the truth. Listen, the reason that you're going through pain and suffering right now is because you're living a life of sin. And many of us, we wanna jump like right to that, right? Let me tell, let me tell you why you're experiencing pain and suffering. <laughs> truth is important. And truth spoken at the right time can be both healing and helpful. Now, God, help us be full of discernment and relationship. And when there's relationship, there's permission to speak truth. And Jesus had relationship with Martha, and he was able to say to her, hey, listen, this isn't the end. Your brother will rise again. And spoke truth to her. The third attribute that we see is the anger of Jesus. Jesus got angry? Oh yeah. He had emotion? Oh yeah. Known for flipping tables from time to time? Sure. <laughs> I'd like to see that. You know, if I get to heaven someday, side note, like could we replay that again? I'd like to see that, Jesus. You know, because uh, in my mind, it's like, Amanda, it's, it's flipping tables, you know, and it's like kicking goats and stuff. Now I doubt he's kicking goats. Um, <laughs> okay. 
so the anger of Jesus, and, and we see this uh, in the scriptures, he's, he's, he's weeping with those who weep. He's speaking truth to those that need the truth of God. And the third thing is that he, he's showing some emotion and some anger here. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And the Greek language there is this snorting, anger-filled emotion. It's like he went from uh, weeping to speaking truth to looking at uh, the situation and he's angry about it. Now, is he angry at Mary and Martha? Is he angry at Lazarus? Is he angry at those around him? Uh, Is he angry at himself? (laughs) I'm God, why did I let this happen? I'm so angry at myself. He's not, he's angry at the tomb. He's angry at death. He's angry at the situation, and he shows emotion here, even to the point of the author saying, it's like he he got snorting mad about the situation. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it, and Jesus said, take away the stone. And we know the rest of the story. He calls Lazarus out of the grave, and Lazarus comes out. Jesus was troubled in his spirit. He was angry. Righteous anger can lead to right action. Some of us need to get angry at sin. Some of us need to get angry about the injustice in the world. Some of us need to get angry about things that that are a certain way and they shouldn't be that way. This is how things get done in the kingdom. Like people get angry about, not angry at people, not angry at like God, but they get angry about the situation so much that they say, somebody's gotta do something about this. And maybe you're the one. You find pain and suffering in the world and you look at it and you say, somebody's gotta do something different. Uh, one of the organizations that we support as a church and that's just deep, uh, dear, deep and dear to my heart is Convoy of Hope. And a quick story behind Convoy of Hope, uh, Hal Donaldson is the founder of Convoy of Hope and early on in his uh, formative years, he was a young boy when his dad was killed in an accident and, and rather than getting angry and frustrated, um, he, he saw the compassion of those around him that these people, these neighbors and stuff took care of him. And, it, and, it, and that, that particular instance in his life where he could have just sunk into despair actually became the catalyst for Convoy of Hope. That he decided, you know what? Somebody was compassionate towards me and met me in my time of need and how important that is. And, and it and like turned into Convoy of Hope, like this, this worldwide organization that's feeding thousands of people every year and responding to natural disasters. And Convoy of Hope, it's a nonprofit organization, and and their mission is to feed the hungry and bring help and hope to the communities that need it most. And where did that come from? From a moment where Hal could have sunk deep into despair in his pain and his suffering, but he got angry about it, he had emotion about it, and he said, somebody's gotta do something different. And he did. The fourth attribute of Jesus in suffering is the grace of Jesus. So we have his tears, he weeps with those who weep. We have his truth, like speaks truth in the middle of it. In the middle of our suffering and our pain, he speaks to us with truth. Um, 
That's tough sometimes. That's a horse pill to swallow at times. He's angry in the moment. I love that his passion, uh, like he was passionate in the moment and we see that anger and we see that frustration and that drove him all the way to the cross of Calvary. Drove God to actually sending his son down, like passionate about this. It's called the passion, everybody. Like his passion for us that drove him to the cross of suffering. We also see the grace of Jesus. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked this question, do you believe this? In the midst of a very painful circumstance, Jesus offers grace. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, they believed in him. You mean to tell me that Jesus would use this situation with Lazarus, allow the pain and suffering so that many would turn and put their faith in him? Seems like it. Seems like it. Seems like maybe your pain may just be someone else's opportunity. Well, that, that's a little cold, Pastor Dan. That's a little harsh. Maybe the suffering that you're going through in your own life is someone's opportunity to see the grace and the goodness of God. Maybe. Maybe if we surrender our situation to him and say, God, work in and through this. Meet me in my suffering. Not so that I'm back to a place of comfort. Oh, God, help us but that someone else might see and relate and see the power of God through my pain and suffering. Are you still with me? All right. The landing gear is coming down. <laughs> We're gonna land this plane in just a second. Monday, May 10th, 2021, last year. My mother-in-law, my wife's mom, had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Just a few short years before that, my dad, uh, also uh, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and suffered for a little over a year and died. One of the most horrific things I've ever had to experience in my life, watching him just fade away. And many of you in this room, those of you online, those of you um, at Nacogdoches, you, you know what it looks like to watch somebody suffer. She's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and within a few short months, she's gone. Uh, horrific. Still difficult to this day. Early that morning, about 3 a.m., my wife had gone with her the day after Mother's Day to go spend Mother's Day with her mom uh, as her mom is lying in a hospice bed in their home waiting for her to take her last breath. I get a phone call or that morning, hey, my mom has passed away. 
Later on that morning, I get another phone call. It's my sister in Kansas. She's bawling on the phone, and she says, you won't believe it. Mom has just had a heart attack, and she's gone. On the same day, both of our moms meet each other at the pearly gates. This is Glenda. I don't understand. Pain and suffering. And I wish we lived in a bubble. you have said goodbye to loved ones this past year. And I'm so sorry. Many of you know what it's like to watch somebody suffer and have to say goodbye to. And you have probably in yourself had the conversation that Laura and I have had to say, God, where are you? Like, On the same day? Are you kidding me? I can remember standing in my driveway, still raw from from bawling my eyes out because my mother-in-law is gone. Somebody that went, are you kidding me on the same day? I I don't understand it. I don't get it. Pain and suffering injustice in the world. It's all difficult. And there were times, and there's still times today that I don't get it. And I have to say, God, where are you? And what are you doing? And I don't know how you're going to glorify yourself in this, but I know somehow you're going to. And maybe today, their story of our suffering is healing and hope for you to know that Jesus meets us in our tears. He speaks truth to us. The the truth is that someday pain and suffering will be wiped away and we're gonna be in heaven where there's no more tears and there's no more pain and that God's gonna meet us there and there's no great light in the sky that lights all of heaven, it's Jesus. And heaven isn't isn't heaven because there's pearly gates and like, like crystal seas and stuff. It's heaven because Jesus is there and Jesus wipes away our tears and he meets us in our pain and suffering. And he says, Dan, I understand you're in your suffering and pain right now, and I can relate to it. I understand it. And I'm willing to cry with you, and I'm willing to speak truth to you, and I'm willing to get angry with you and upset with you at the realities of this world. But I'm also willing to use your pain to be grace to somebody else. That somebody through your pain and suffering might say, I don't know how to deal with the pain and suffering, but God's doing something in you. And if that's the God you serve and he's meeting you in your pain and suffering, then I want to serve that God too. We're all walking wounded and God will use our woundedness to provide help and healing to others. 
be the help and the healing. Here's some practical steps real quick as we close. Be present. Be present. Be quiet. Be quiet. Just sit with people in their suffering. Just be quiet. Be careful and full of care. Be transparent and sometimes vulnerable. We don't understand the difference. Transparent is, is, is to be able to say, hey, I understand what you're going through. I get it. Or I don't understand what you're going through, but I understand pain and suffering. Vulnerability is to then go on and share all the details of your story. Don't forget that you're sitting with somebody who's suffering. And they just need to know that you're with them in it. There's a term that I learned this week called grogged pottery. Any, any potters in the house? Any, anybody that deals with pottery? <laughs> Nobody? Uh, there's this beautiful picture of a potter who, he will take broken pieces of pottery and grind them up and add it to a new piece. And the grinded up pieces of old pottery added to the new piece actually strengthen that piece of pottery uh, to make it stronger, more durable. I think it's a beautiful picture that sometimes in our brokenness and shatteredness, you can allow the brokenness of your life to just remain on the floor in front of the potter, or you can say, and yet, oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. And I believe that God wants to take broken pieces today in his hands and add it to the pot, your clay, your life. And you actually, through pain and suffering, become stronger. Can you come through pain and suffering stronger and your faith built stronger in who he is? Yes, you can, if you allow him to. Would you bow your heads? All across the rooms today, those of you online, you've not put your life and faith and trust in Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that today. Maybe you're going through pain and suffering, and God has brought you here today to experience his love, his grace, his forgiveness, and I don't want you to miss the opportunity today as the conviction of the Holy Spirit is moving in your life if you want to invite Jesus to be the author and perfecter of your faith, if you want to invite Jesus into your life on the count of three, I just want you to slip your hand up so that we can pray for you. One, two, three, all over the room. Yeah, yeah. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. I see you guys. Yeah, those of you online, you can do it right there at home. Dieball Duncan, you guys can raise your hands there in Nacogdoches. You might pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for enduring pain and suffering in my place. I repent of my sins. I invite you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I step off the throne of my heart, and I say, Jesus, take your rightful place. And I declare with faith that I am saved. Now help me to live a life that trusts in you. Heads still bowed, eyes still closed. You're going through some pain and suffering today, and maybe you need tears. Maybe you need truth. Maybe you just need to get angry about something, a righteous anger. Or maybe you're just experiencing for the first time that God's wants, God wants to use your pain and suffering to minister to somebody else. Uh, go ahead and slip your hand up so I can pray for you today. You're experiencing some pain and suffering. You're going through some stuff. 
you're not, you're not quite ready to open up that suitcase, but you know that God wants to meet you there. Jesus, thank you. You're an ever-present help in times of trouble. You meet us in our pain and suffering, and you deliver us, not necessarily from it. Oh, God, you deliver us through it. And there are parts of you, God, that we get to experience because of pain and suffering. Jesus, you can relate to us in it. And, and in fact, you want to use those things to strengthen us. And like grogged clay, add it to our vessels, to this pot of clay that contains a very precious and that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Strengthen us today that we might be uh, the very presence of Jesus and the grace to those around us. In Jesus' name.